Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are thankful that you're with us on this Christmas Eve. The last few Sundays, we've been using a line or two from a Christmas carol and using that to launch us into the Bible and what we're talking about for that day. And today, I want to look at the song, What Child Is This? We just sang it. Uh, The first stanza went like this. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And so the question uh, gets asked earlier in the first portion repeatedly, who is this child laying in a feeding trough? Who is this child whose birth was announced by angels? Who is this child that shepherds came to greet and welcome? Those same questions that, that we sing in that song are the same questions we must consider and answer tonight. The question, what child is this that we celebrate? Who is this child that is at the heart of Christmas season? And not just answering the, qu- the questions with this customary, yeah, it's Jesus, Jesus, I-, I know it's Jesus. Because I don't think anyone in here thinks that the baby that Mary gave birth to was anyone but Jesus. In the song, the next line that we sing after asking the question about who this baby is, is this statement, this, this is Christ the King. So this baby is not simply another baby. This baby is different. This birth is different. And that changes everything. So is Jesus your king? Is he king of your life? Is he king of your heart? Our answers to those questions make all the difference. What child is this? What does the Bible tell us about this child? And how does that truth change or impact our lives here in Christmas 2013? Because you and I can't miss who this child is. I I don't want us to just kind of walk through the motions of a Christmas Eve service or even the ending of another Christmas season and miss the most significant, life-changing, eternity-changing truth. I don't know about you, but the past four weeks have just been an absolute blur for our family. Just an absolute, uh, just suddenly Christmas is here and it just kind of feels that way. And it's like you you know that's the potential of every Advent, Christmas, December season and so you try to slow things down a little bit, and yet the season goes by pretty quickly. And maybe you can relate, and I pray that, that, t- that tonight is this window of opportunity for us to pause, uh, to slow down, even if it's for about an hour, to reflect, to be reminded, to be changed by a God who loves us more than we can imagine. The lyrics of What Child Is This were written in 1865 by an Englishman. They were then set to a melody of a song that was called Greensleeves, which was this traditional English uh, song that had been around since the 14th century. The backstory of the lyrics is that the writer who, uh, who wrote them was a successful insurance salesman in Scotland. At age 29, he was struck with a sudden, very serious Ill- illness. That sickness left him in bed for several months, which then led to a season of deep depression. And so while in that season, though, his prayer life grew, and he describes uh, meeting God in a new and real way, and out of that experience, out of that season, came songs such as, What Child Is This? And so one of my hopes for you this Christmas is that whether you find yourself in a valley, so to speak, personally, the Christmas season has kind of magnified the hurt, the loss, the loneliness, the, uh, the difficulty in your life, or you find yourself on a mountaintop, uh, maybe somewhere in between, no matter where you're at, I pray that you and I are reminded of who this child is and how that changes everything in our lives. Roughly seven centuries before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah foretold of his birth. 
the Holy Spirit had inspired Isaiah to write these words and describe Jesus, the Savior that would be, would be born hundreds of years later. The entire Old Testament points to the one day Messiah that would come. And Isaiah 9, 6 is a very familiar passage around Christmas time. And to, and to that question of what is this child? Who is this child? Isaiah, this one verse gives us some descriptions, some titles about who this child is. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So who is this child? Well, he's a wonderful counselor. He is the one who gives wisdom and leads the lives of his followers. When things seem to be hard to understand or when you're not sure why this is happening or or what step to take next or how to respond, we know that he is our wonderful counselor who is the source of wisdom. He is the one we run to, the one we cling to, the one we come to in prayer, the one we want to hear from as we open up our Bibles. Naturally, without Jesus, apart from Christ, we are counselors unto ourselves. And so we make up plans on our own. We make decisions and choices based on what's best for us and with you and me at the center of our lives and center of those decisions. Self tends to dominate our decision-making process. And we say, well, if it's good for me, then I, then I like it. What if it causes me to kind of take a back seat or if it causes me to put others before myself, then I'm not sure if I like that decision. What child is this? Well, this is Jesus, and he is our wonderful counselor. He is the one who counsels our hearts and speaks, to, uh, speaks truth into our worlds and reminds us when we stray of who we are in him. He is the one who is speaking to you tonight, reminding you of his love and his plan of salvation and calling you to begin to follow him as your king, as your savior. He's calling you to come back to him because he is the one who created you and knows your heart and life. He is the one who can restore that brokenness and speak life into a dry and weary world. Who is this child? Well, his name is Jesus, and he's a mighty God. He is strong and powerful, and nothing is beyond him. A unique description for a humble, fragile baby. And yet this child is different. This baby is God's very own son. He existed before he even came in the flesh. He he exists now. He is supreme over all eternity and over all of time, over every life. Even as a small baby, Jesus was a mighty God. This is why the angels praised him. This is why his guests bowed down to him. This is why people worshiped and sang to, sang and, and, and rejoiced at the birth of this child because the mighty God had come near. The mighty God had taken on flesh to dwell among his people, to rescue those who were lost in their sin. That's you and me. And, to, and he's come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you and me as a payment for our disobedience in the ways that we have just kind of been indifferent toward the things of God in his call in our lives. Naturally, on our own, we set ourselves up as mighty or as invincible, as if somehow we will be the first ones to escape death, the great equalizer. Or we live with this very momentary sense of mighty, like just right there in the moment, but kind of stick stick our heads in the sand when it comes to eternal matters or Matters of life or death. Life has a very cruel way of reminding us that we are not mighty. And that we are in fact fragile. And that none of us will escape death one day. This, this humble baby 
was in fact the mighty God who took on flesh to save us. He is the one who has the power to do above and beyond all we ask or imagine. He is the one who is greater than our spiritual enemy. He is the one who proved that he was God when he rose from the dead on the third day. He beat death. He is high and lifted up, and yet he has come near. Christmas, we are reminded that he has come near. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Why? Why did he come to be born? Why did he take on flesh? Why did he die for us? Why did he rise again on the third day? Well, one answer, and that's love. Because he loves you. Because he longs for you and I to live in a way where Jesus is Savior and King of our lives. Who is this child? Well, his name is Jesus. And he is the everlasting Father. Fathers protect, they care for, they love. Our God tenderly cares for his people. If you're in Christ, if you've made Jesus the king of your life, if you're walking in this posture of following and being devoted to him and growing to be more like him, the beautiful truth is that he has adopted you into the family of God. And now you don't relate to him just as creator or as judge, but as father. And keep in mind, the father doesn't lose his children. He's not counting heads like some of you that have a lot of kids and you're kind of in a crowd and you're constantly counting heads. He's not there counting heads going, oh, oh shoot, shoot, I lost one. He's, that's not our God. He's, not that. He's an everlasting father. He knows his children by name. He knows you by name. He created you in his image and likeness. You've been created with dignity, value, and worth. You're not just some random mass of cells that came together in some accident or just a little bit further on the right of the evolution chart. You are made in his image and called to reflect him to the world around you, called to mirror him in and through your life. He is not only father of individual believers, but he is father of the family of God, all the brothers and sisters, the household of God. So what is this child? Well, who is this child? This is his Jesus. This is Jesus. And like a father, he cares and provides for us. Many of us need to be reminded of this truth today because for whatever reason, whether it's idolatry or habitual sin or just kind of this apathetic spirit or something along those lines, we've slowly stopped running to our father in prayer. We've stopped asking for dad's counsel and his direction and his wisdom. Our hearts, see, have a way of deceiving us, making us think that we can do life on our own apart from our everlasting Father, that we are sufficient on our own. And maybe you're walking through something and you're thinking that the Father has forsaken you, that He was counting heads and He lost you. Maybe your earthly Father left you, but your Heavenly Father has not. I promise you, because the truth of Scripture the everlasting Father has not forsaken you or forgotten you or left you. You might feel like He is distant, but He has not moved. He has not changed. He is still there waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to come talk to Him. So we need to remember the fact that He is the everlasting Father, that, that because of that, that, that means we never think of King Jesus in the past tense. We must not think of him as the one who once lived, but he still lives. He is the everlasting father. He is no longer in the manger as a baby, but he is high and lifted up, ruling and reigning over all creation. Once again, the question we have to ask ourselves tonight, is Jesus king of our lives? 
Not just in the past, like, yeah, yeah, when I was a teenager or when I was, when I was 10 or when I was in my 20s or whatever. Not just in the past that he was king, but is he king of your heart tonight? Is he king of your heart and your life right now? What child is this? His name is Jesus and he is our prince of peace, Isaiah 9, 6 tells us. The third stanza of the, of the song, actually the second one, it begins like this. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. When we celebrate Christmas, we can't help but also remember that Easter is right around the corner. And the song tells us how this baby on Mary's lap will one day die on a cross for you and me. Isaiah speaks to this prophecy when he calls him the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 gives us some context about what peace means. It says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So what's this barrier? What's this dividing wall of hostility that's being talked about in Ephesians 2? Well, it's sin. It's you and me. We've all chosen to go go our own, own way. We have this natural tendency to walk away, disobey, disbelieve God and his word. No matter how good you and I think we are, we are naturally bent toward ourselves. We are naturally bent toward away from the things of God. And as a result, our sin has separated us from our God and we are lost. But see, the miracle of Christmas is that God would send his one and only son to rescue us and bring a solution, the only solution to our sin problem. And as a result, that he is our Prince of Peace. Jesus reconciles, he bridges the gap of our sin that our sin has created and allows an unholy and sinful people like you and me to come into a relationship with a holy, perfect, beautiful, powerful, almighty God. The slate of our sin and all its markings are wiped clean. We are set free then to serve and to love and not to be chained up to our own ways, old ways. See, Jesus is our hero. He is the hero in all of Scripture. He is the prince who laid down his life for you and me, who willingly gave of his life so that we could have life, who left the perfection of heaven to come dwell among us, to pursue and love us in that way. He is the one who died in our place. While we were still sinning, while we still didn't really even care about the things of God, he is the one who died in our place long before we even knew we needed saving, we needed a savior, that we had this sin thing we couldn't fix on our own. He is the one who stood in the place of us. The band wants to come back, come back up. So who is this child? His name is Jesus, and he is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's what Isaiah 9, 6 tells us. But what do you say? What do you say? Who do you say this child is? See, we can't simply get by with saying that this child was another baby. Or just a significant baby in history or the reason we open presents at Christmas or... See, this child was different. One very simple evidence is that here in Eureka, around 2,000 years later, we're all gathered in a steel building, singing, talking about a baby that was born in another part of the world. And yet we're, we're here. We're all sitting in rows and we're listening to one guy talk about this baby. 
So that's a very simple evidence that this baby was different. This child was different. His birth changed everything. He has changed my heart. He has changed my life. And he has changed many of yours. And I invite you that if you haven't allowed him to change your heart and life, that tonight you would. Tonight you would humbly place Jesus up as the king of your life. And by doing so, recognize this beautiful truth that in Christ you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are saved. You are set free. In Christ we are given a new heart and a new life and a new spirit. Don't go another day without giving him your life and your everything. His invitation awaits your acceptance. So what child is this? Well, this is Christ the King. Is he king of your life yet? If not, I'm going to allow some space in the service for you to pray quietly at your seat, to talk to him in prayer. Ask his forgiveness. Ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your your life. Ask him to save you, to give you a new heart and a new life. Ask him to be the king of your life. And so just in a, if we can, and I love that there's babies talking and crying and it seems fitting on a Christmas Eve family service. But just in a moment of quietness, before we sing Silent Night, could we just pray, and I won't pray, but just have some quiet moment at your seat to pray and talk to your Father in heaven? Let's do that. Father God, I thank you for being our our God. Thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us. Thank you that you chose to send him as a a humble baby and not as a conquering uh, military or political hero, but as one who would grow up to live this perfect life, to die in our place, and to prove that he was... God's very own son by rising again on the third day and thank you that he's coming again. I pray that uh, this Christmas season that, that your Holy Spirit wouldn't allow us to kind of just dismiss this but you would uh, cause us to wrestle this question of are you king of our lives? Are you king of our hearts? Are you king of everything that we say and do? I thank you that Jesus that you are Everlasting Father, your Prince of Peace, your mighty God, your wonderful Counselor, and we are grateful. I pray that this Christmas season would be different. I thank you that your, your birth, your life, your death, your resurrection, it changed everything. I thank you for the good news. I thank you for your, your, just, your love that you continually pour out on our lives. And I pray that we would respond to that love in a humble, teachable way tonight and this Christmas season.
We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.